Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Francis Lee, a filmmaker who started out as an actor on the stage and on the screen. You may have caught him in Mike Lee's Topsy Turvy or Sandra Goldbacher's Me Without You back in the day, but then he moved behind the camera to write and direct a series of short films which led to his feature debut, The Magnificent God's Own Country, in 2017. His new film, Ammonite, pairs Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan as two very different women in 1840s England who forge a connection that could change both their lives if they'd let it. It's very good, and it's available on digital and on-demand this Friday, December 4th. Francis picked Now Voyager, the 1942 melodrama starring Betty Davis as a neurotic Boston spinster who changes her life through her relationships with two men, a perceptive psychiatrist played by Claude Rains, and a married man she meets on a South American cruise played by Paul Henrich. It was just supposed to be another one of Warner's women's pictures, which were very big at the time, but it turned out to have far greater resonance than anyone intended, mostly thanks to Davis's emotionally transparent performance and the way Irving Rapper, who directed, doesn't try to downplay the intensity of Charlotte Vale's journey. Like Casablanca the same year, and like Charlotte herself, it's so much more than it could have been. This is someone else's movie. Now Voyager is a film I first watched. I, I didn't go to, I should preface it by saying I didn't go to film school and, mm. and I'm no cinephile. So, um, so discovering film for me was usually off TV. And, um, and I first watched Now Voyager, I think in about 1993. Mm. It was on TV. And it was one of those Sunday afternoons and nothing else was on. And I flicked over and I saw it was a Bette Davis film and I sat down and watched it and literally was transported and transfixed. And I felt so, so such a kin to the Bette Davis character, Charlotte Vale. This idea of this loneliness, this kind of um, forgotten, kind of ignored character that through the journey of the film becomes a, a woman in control of herself and her own destiny and, and finds happiness, but in a very unexpected place. Mm. Um, and 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 I it, it, I I still feel very very emotional about it, and um, and I just think it's just such a powerful film. Yeah, it is. I hadn't seen it in a while. I think the first time I saw it would have been in the late '80s, and then again when the DVD came out. So maybe 2000. There was a Betty Davis collection. Uh, I think that's when I first when I first saw it as an adult. I guess. And watched it again the other night, and it's just, it's such a textbook, what they used to call a woman's picture, right? Because that was what they called melodrama in the 40s. Uh, it just meant strong female lead. But it's both of the core narratives of that genre, which is a woman learns to stand up for herself, and a woman reinvents herself. Mm. They're they're not the same narrative, but in Now Voyager, they find a way to do them both together, and because it's Betty Davis, who is just this incendiary screen presence, this this incredible force. I'd forgotten the introduction where you see her hand and then you see her foot and then you see Betty Davis in a fat suit and somehow it's supposed to be demeaning to her, but she still sells it. The mm. the, the neurosis of, of Charlotte is the one thing I don't know that I ever bought because you know how strong Davis is. And she can sell the querulousness and the nervousness, but she's so much... 
Like you spend the whole first act waiting for her to be Betty Davis. And then once that happens um, and the movie switches gears and becomes a, a, a sort of thwarted romance that leads to where, well, I'm not going to, I guess we can spoil a, a, an 80 year old yeah. movie. Um, but the film ends with empowerment rather than satisfaction, which I find really, really interesting. And watching it again in light of your choosing it for the podcast, I realized that both God's Own Country and Ammonite are are about characters who have similar journeys in that they start from a place of self-loathing and, and isolation and end up accepting who they are, whether or not that will lead to a more fulfilling romantic life. And I, yeah, I I'm shocked to see that. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm often asked if there are, if there are films, movies that, you know, influence my work or the stories I've told. Now Voyager has, you know, for, mm. for, for me, both God's Own Country and very much Ammonite was was heavily influenced by that kind of arc, by that kind of central character arc. Um, and um, and and although they they might seem like odd bedfellows because of you know the way in which they're made or the way in which I make work as opposed to the way in which rapper made um, now Voyager and it being a very studio movie. Um, they, to me, they, there are lots and lots of similarities. Yeah, the um, the tensions seem similar to me. And and now Voyager is all about someone figuring out who she is in real time, more or less. Um, and and the the characters who arrive to assist her and and help Charlotte figure out what she wants, just even from existence itself, since she's been raised under the steely hand of her mother, who is almost a caricature, but Gladys Cooper gives her so much anger that mm -hmm. it feels justified. It feels like yeah. she's doing the only thing she can do. And that's tragic in itself. I mean, there's a whole other movie in that woman's history. Exactly. You know, what I, what I love about her, I think, is that her will to survive or how she survives is just as strong mm -hmm. and just as present. And as you say, I think, She's just she's just doing all she knows how to do to survive, you know, ha having Charlotte at her beck and call, having Charlotte as her maid, having Charlotte as her companion. Um, and um, and and that that to me is like, a, again, I guess a mirror to, to Charlotte about who she wants to become and how she wants to reject that notion of what her mother has for her. Yeah, we're introduced to her as um, someone who, well, we're introduced to her through dialogue, through other people talking about her and how much of a mess she is. And the second you see her standing next to her mother having that conversation, it's like, oh, of course she is. This is like, she's just afraid to uh, state anything uh, definitively. And then by the um, by the end of that relationship, when when Charlotte and her mother finally... Um, have it out. It is the most calm argument I think I've ever seen Betty Davis has because she just, she doesn't apologize. She doesn't yell. She just states what she is going to be doing. And the fact that she doesn't allow room for argument, there's no hesitation or, or, um, or negotiation involved. That's enough to kill her mom. Yeah. 
Exactly. You know, it's like it, and and that to me was that scene where she goes and has that conversation or confrontation with with her mum was something when I was writing God's Own Country and Johnny goes to talk to his dad and he says, I'm going to go off to find the man I love because I have to. Mm. I want it to be different. And I and I want to be different. Um, That. Um, scene in Now Voyager was very much playing out in my head. It is so beholden to studio storytelling, though, in Now Voyager. And and, and God's Own Country is is much rougher. And and, I mean, it's just it's a location film as opposed to a set film. It's it it feels lived in. And yet somehow those those dynamics don't change over the decades. I guess there will always be children standing up to parents and parents disappointed by children, that's not something that really goes away or evolves. No, I, I, absolutely. And also that kind of idea of the individual, you know, not just being the son or the grandson or the daughter of, you know, somebody going, but actually this is me and this is what I want. And I don't want to be dictated to what my life should be. Um, and I think there's that, that's also a very strong parallel between Now Voyager and the two films I've made. Yeah, I, I am struck by Now Voyager as a coming out narrative because it sort of is. She's just it's not about sexuality, although it is someone embracing her sexuality after it's been pushed down for however many years and, and understanding what's possible uh, in her romantic life. Well, you can, I mean, you can, you, you could read this as a queer narrative because the, the man that Bette Davis's character, Charlotte Vale, falls in love with um, is a married man. And so it's an affair. And at the end of the movie, I hope this isn't a terrible spoiler. Should I do this or not? No, go for it. Okay. So at the end of the movie, they decide that's enough. You know, what they have is enough. And that, and so it's always, in a sense, going to be slightly hidden. True. And it's, also, it's always going to be kind of a little bit transgressive. And that, and I think that, when, you know, as, as, um, as we look at these films now, you, you, could, you could play them out as quite, quite interesting, strong queer narratives. Yeah, I mean, there are dozens, if not hundreds of queer narratives where an engagement is broken off in exactly the same way as it is in this film, because people know that it won't be enough, that they, that they won't be happy together. Although here there is a, there is a sense that they both want straight relationships that, that they're, that she's interested in men and he's interested in women. It's just that it's a bad fit, but yeah, you're right. That's the sort of thing that has been, reinterpreted or or remixed into dozens of other films where people can't be together because they simply don't desire each other. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's, it, yeah, I, it, the more I, the, and the more I watch it, the more, the more I get out of it. It's one of those films that you can watch it for different elements. You know, you can, you can watch it for different characters every time you watch it. And although you know how it's going to play out, I often find myself surprised <laughs> <laughs> and and as emotional 
as I was. You know, if I'm having a day where, you know, I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself and a bit fed up and a bit lonely, um, I'll often put Now Voyager on and, and enjoy crying to it, with oh. it. Yeah, the, the concept of the good cry is something that I'm, I'm not surprised that we're talking about that sort of thing now, because this year, if anything, we all need releases that we don't fully comprehend just yet. This, uh, I've said this a number of times on other podcasts, that we're all experiencing PTSD for trauma that we're actually accumulating right now with this thing. Mm. And the things that we respond to, the things that unlock us are unexpected. And, and I kind of like the idea of using 40s, studio melodramas as, as a safe release because yeah it's not like you know it's not like you don't know she won't be happy in the end but it is this movie is about wringing those tears out of people scene after scene even her relationship with tina which i thought this time through seemed a lot more empowering than it did the last time i watched the movie um, the, the the last time I, I really thought about Now Voyager, it was more about, oh, and she's trading, you know, the film ends where it began. She's the mom now. She's taking in a woman, a young woman who she can shape to her own, uh, to her own needs. But this time through, it felt I got much more out of her relationship with Tina in the earlier scenes together where, and Davis is so good at, at indicating this. She is so clearly making sure she doesn't do the things her mom did with her. She's. Mm finding a new path to relate to this child and the kid um she's great she's just as obnoxious so like she she's the she's the the oh who was I, I was thinking of like zuzu from um it's a wonderful life where you have a perky child who's just a little bit annoying this kid is being used to be almost repellent the first time we see her she's got the braces on she's got the glasses she's weeping and and difficult and over the course of what a real 20 minutes of film, she turns into a a sensible child who has a chance at a normal life. And it's all because Charlotte is doing her best to reach out and connect with her. And, and this time I found that really moving even more so than the ending. Just the scene of them playing tennis and say, oh, I'm terrible too. We'll both learn. It's just such a great throwaway line that says so much about who Charlotte has become. No, completely. And, and also, and there's such a wonderful comment on parenting. And that idea that, you know, as um, somebody who's not a biological parent, they can be so influential and so uh, beneficial for, for a, a kid's life and, and transformative. And the way in which she really commits to that, you know, she takes her experience and how she was and how she's learned and thinks about it and then comes back and uses that. To, to really benefit this kid's life. Yeah. I was wondering too, if that isn't some essential part of, of the genre uh, of someone moving from mentor to mentor. First it's the doctor, then it's the lover. And in each case, she figures out how she can be with them and who that person is until finally she's able to be someone else's mentor. But it's such a, a clear arc, you know, think of, thinking about something like Stella Dallas, which came from the same writer, uh, where it's about someone who removes herself from her child's life one step at a time in order to make sure the kid has a better future. Here, it's almost the inverse. You're watching someone come closer to a child that isn't hers, but will be effectively in order to save both of them, to, to help both of them find their path. 
Yes, and, and super interesting when you compare it to something like Mildred Pierce, mm. that, that kind of mother-daughter relationship there. Yeah. Where um, Mildred Pierce basically gives far too much and, and just throws money at the problem constantly, trying to make trying to make up for, you know, this kid's life or, or the life that she has led to this point. Um, but that obviously doesn't work work out in the way in which it does now Voyager, because I feel that the now Voyager relationship, in a sense, is more processed is and more honest. You know, I think Charlotte Vale is being more honest about who she is. And there's something so touching, I think, Norm, about all of this, because it's about truth and it's about growth and about how we can influence people's lives through our experience as long as we, as long as it's to do with growth um, and um, and being honest about who we are. Which, of course, brings me back to God's own country and the way Jorge is co- so completely himself in every scene and knows who he is and simply by existing offers that sort of mentorship and, mm. and love and, and unquestioning love to someone who is desperately trying to deny that about himself. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, that I think that's what's so fascinating to me about films about relationships or stories about intimate human relationships is that idea of, you know, how two people as individuals, um, if they if they meet somebody and if there's growth there, can actually become better people as individuals and as a couple in a relationship. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely have I've experienced that in my in my own life. But but it is something that rarely shows up in film, just because it's hard to um, it's hard to express without voiceover effectively. Although now Voyager sort of does that too, with just little tiny flashes of of voiceover from from Charlotte, which I had forgotten about. I think every time I see it, I forget that there's maybe four instances where we're just allowed a moment of her inner life, because. Davis doesn't need it. I wonder if they shot more and it just turned out to be unnecessary because she's so good at just living it all in her face and her in her body. Well, again, that you know, Bette Davis's performance in um, Now Voyager was something I had very much in my head when I was working with Kate Winslet in Ammonite. Oh yeah, you know that that. Uh, because Ammonite isn't isn't particularly dialogue heavy. Because I love telling stories with pictures rather than words. You know that's why I love cinema. It's a moving image, and um, and what I got with Kate was somebody who could communicate everything with um, with the pictures, with her eyes, with her body language, with her touch, whatever it was. And it was and it was really thrilling as a director to particularly in the edit to be looking at scenes and going let's get rid of that line of dialogue because I get it I get I get it from the way in which she's playing it you know yeah and she's I mean she has always been that good which I I I mean I'm just thinking of Heavenly Creatures where she at what 23 was just playing those incredible switches in in tension and anger and comedy and romance just over flashing over her face and I remember seeing that uh, at TIFF I guess it must have been and just thinking oh she's somebody like this person's not going away Linsky's great too I don't want to I certainly don't want to devalue either performance but watching them both 
evolve into the, the the actors they've become has been a real pleasure. And yeah, Ammonite, um, I was so glad that you had made the mirror image of God's own country. Uh, and and it's such a strange challenge to see it played out. I mean, if this one's in a different period of time, it's two women instead of two men, but there's something so primal about that story and that relationship and seeing it played out this way was so fascinating to me. And yeah, Winslet and Ronan are both so fully present as those characters. And, and I was just so delighted that it works, that this, this sort of calculation or not calculation, but this reshaping of that core narrative works for these people in this time. And it still feels like its own thing. Um, just, I, I suppose, just as now Voyager takes pieces of, of genre stories and, and slaps them into a form that feels like it could only be happening in this one cinema space. Yeah, no, I think, I think that is um, super fascinating. Um, the other thing about now Voyager was, I think it was actually the first Bette Davis movie I, I'd ever seen. And it was like, it's like, you know, discovering a new actor or, or a new, you know, I'm sure she was probably, she might have actually been dead by the first time I saw her. <laughs> but, um, but then that made me go back, obviously, and, and watch her back catalogue. And another thing that I realised about her as, a, as an actor is that she was totally driven by, regardless of what the, what the story was or the film was or, you know, genre was the truth that she attacked everything with in the same way in which you know someone like Kate or Sersha um always it doesn't matter what they're in they will attack it with the truth um and and with honesty and and without vanity and and again I you know I'm sure I'm sure there was vanity with Beth Davis but she was very happy not to just play the vanity, not just to be always beautiful um, or striking. And, and I think that's, that's such a wonderful thing for, for high-profile actors to still, to still believe in. You know, they want to play the truth. They don't get consumed by how they look. Yeah. Well, it also just lends itself to the audience looking closer, doesn't it? When you don't have someone who is... Um, affecting a position or, or uh, uh, an, an emotional level. I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. But the thing that struck me watching Davis in this is that her performance doesn't feel like it's a 40 studio performance. It feels contemporary. It's not method or anything, but it's a, a form of acting that I'm recognizing and feel comfortable with, to the point where it almost puts off Paul Henry or, or Claude Rains opposite her because they feel like they're acting in a different era and she's just present. Yeah, no, it's it's a real tour de force. And often I don't even remember the men in this film. You know, <laughs> I, I think about uh, Charlotte Bale and I think about her mum and I think about her sister-in-law and her niece and I think about Tina. You know, the, the, the men kind of, they're almost like side plots for me. Um, the power with all of this for me is within those females and those female performances. Yeah, there's signposts on her journey. Yeah. Uh, I know you're on a short window of time here. So the one we, we usually close the podcast by asking how the film has influenced your work or if there's anything you've bored or lifted, but we kind of covered that. So uh, I guess 
what I want to know is what other Betty Davis films struck you? Has, has there been anything else that in that in that gorging that you found that that stood out? In all honesty, no. Hmm. You know, that, that's what I found so interesting was that there, there really isn't anything else for me, for, for Bet. Um, I, I have I have tried and but there isn't anything that resonates in this way. I think for me personally, this is this is her greatest role and her greatest performance. Well, I mean, it's up there for me. There's that and All About Eve, which is a, such a completely different mode. You know, that's the self-aware sort of self-mocking version. And it's only, what, eight years away. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I, yeah, it, it's, um, it, it, it's just, I think there's a level of vulnerability that she hits in this film, that fit in Now Voyager, that just strikes such a chord with me. Well, I'm glad it did. This was great. I'm so glad we got to talk about it. Thank you, Norm. It's been a real pleasure. My thanks to Francis Lee, whose new film Ammonite will be available this Friday, December 4th, on digital and on demand. And seek out God's Own Country if you haven't already seen it. It's streaming free on Hoopla right now. Thanks also to Kate Parks. She knows what she did. Francis is on Twitter at Straw House Films, all one word. And you can find Now Voyager on Blu-ray and DVD in a gorgeous restoration from the Criterion Collection. It's also available on Apple TV and Google Play. As always, you can find me on Twitter, at Norm Wilner, and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I'm hosting a bunch of podcasts these days. Go check them out. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Simcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. Our theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it, or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. Stay inside. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. I'll see you next time.